Thank you for listening to Lone Star Community Radio. This program was broadcasted and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. Lone Star Community Radio is supported by listeners like you. Donate and sponsor today. For more information on getting involved with Lone Star Community Radio, contact us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or visit us online at www.irlonestar.com. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KCCZLP Conroe and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 20th of July, and it's noon hump hour of hump day so it must be toast of the town with christy and mel hope y'all are doing great today um the uh got one little edit christy cannot join us today because she had a conflict so she will be out but i have great guests and lots of information so y'all hang with us and we will be in dick how are you doing today you oh just a thumbs up no 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 audio (laughs) okay Anyway, um, <clears throat> so um, what what we have today? I'm what? doing pretty good. There you go. Are you okay? <laughs> okay. Um, what we have today is a, a well. First of all, I think he's a very close friend. I I really enjoy visiting with him. I always learn when I talk to him, and um, I think what maybe what we're going to do is start with some of his. Um, with, with his, um, what he's done in the past, and we will talk to you. But his name is Steve Scott, and I know that you all, probably a lot of you know him in the uh, Montgomery County area, but also um, he is also known widely as uh, the Houston business coach. He um, leads businesses. He is a I started when I started trying to think of what to call him. I kept thinking motivational speaker, but no, he's a speaking coach. That's what he is. And uh, but he's also extremely motivational. And when I get through talking to him, I have the best feeling. I have. I, I walk out away from Steve thinking that I can conquer the world. And I take off and I do really creative things. So I just need to make a point to call Steve every day. <laughs> Start my day off. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good, good. Um, what, uh, how, let, let's go back. You and I met um, as a result of a campaign that I was working on and you you were working on, I think. No, maybe that I wasn't working on it, but I knew, yes, we were just connected because of campaigns. Anyway, so when you, when you started working for a candidate, and it was a local candidate, um, not countywide, but was a local candidate. He needed help. Okay. Why did they call you? Because you and I do completely different things, but they're very interrelated. They're very interlocked. So why did they call you? What's interesting, when I first uh, got called, they wanted me to do what you do, which was to be a campaign consultant. And I said, I understand what goes on there, but that's not really my thing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to support you in how you can best connect with potential voters so they can understand your story and give them a reason to vote for you. Right, right. Okay. 
So, and that, just connect with the voters. Mm. That's one of the things I have the most trouble getting people to understand. They think that if they're going to run for office, that the first thing they have to do is get to know everybody else that's an office holder. Mm. And then they think they've accomplished their goal. Mm. Because all the office holders shake their hands and go, you're going to make a great whatever they're running for. Mm -hmm. And that's not who it is. Mm -hmm. It's all the people sitting around their breakfast tables in the morning Mm -hmm. trying to figure out their schedule. Am I going to get home in time for baseball practice? Am I going to get home in time to get Susie to dance class? Oh, can you pick up that? Can I pick up that? Those are the people that we're trying to reach. Anyway, but I think that's funny that, of course, you you realize that. Um, but that's not what people often think they have to do. Right. Anyway, okay. Um, but before that, what what is it that you do? Like, like I am a, okay, I met one of your clients one time, chiropractor. Mm-hmm. I'm a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Now, you're helping a, somebody running for office. How can you also help a chiropractor? How can I help chiropractors? You know, I, I really don't like to use the word help because that already implies that something needs to be fixed. Okay. Defective. Okay. And so I'm not quibbling, but. No, I'm, I'm, I I'm, no. I'm, 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 I'm this is why I love you because it's I'm, the words we choose right. that says who we are. So I'm here to support you. So when I interview people, mm-hmm. um, I don't know the chiropractic business. I do now because I've actually been with this client uh, 10 years, and we have multiple locations, and it's yeah. been a real blessing. But the thing is, seldom will whatever we want as a leader, as a person, seldom will whatever we want exceed our personal development. So what we have to do is kind of take a look at who the person is, who the leader of the company is, and sometimes I work with executives and multinational corporations, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, Hear what your assets are. <clears throat> we can always figure out what the deficits are. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to, you know, work through these, work around them? How are we going to surround right. ourselves with people? What systems do you have? So on and so forth. It's been very interesting at times, uh, especially on the corporate level. Uh, had a national nonprofit who will remain nameless that everybody knows mm-hmm. out of New York, and it turns out the Gulf Coast region is the most profitable region. For this nonprofit, but I, but I, I would have guessed that I, I would just uh, by how much I see it. So what happens is that the money they raised would go to research. So Baylor, St. Luke's, all all the medical research facilities sure. were getting money. They get a new CEO up there in New York. She mm-hmm. does not like this. Plus, the Gulf Coast region raises more money than the Mid-Atlantic states and the Northeast states combined. So, my client starts getting these emails. He's a vice president. Wow. Okay. So, I'm having to read the emails, and we're trying to figure out how to respond because you could tell there was a lot of jealousy, felt threatened. And what we did is, uh, to make a long story really short, we uh, navigated through all that, and he was uh, successfully retained in his uh, position and actually ultimately got promoted. But communication, we talk about it. It's an art form. It's not a science. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I work with people on their communication. But we also take a look at the future you want. Because once the future is finished in your mind, then what you need to do in the present becomes absolutely clear. Okay. So if you don't have a clear vision of the future, you're kind of casting around in the present. 
So what we do is I get with people, and it could be on processes, it could be with them, whatever, and we co-create pathways to accelerate the process of their successful performance, not mine, theirs. And there's an old Indian proverb from India. It says, there are hundreds of paths up the mountain all leading to the same place, so it doesn't really matter which path you take. The only person wasting time is the person running around the base of the mountain. Trying telling, to figure out which path what, to take. <laughs> or telling everyone his or her path is wrong. And guess who that person uh, usually yeah. is? It's you. <laughs> you just need to go and take a path, and let's see what, do, see what we can do with it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, um, so there are days. Mm-mm. There are years. Let's do it that way. <laughs> there are years when um, tensions are high, either across the board in politics or with a certain group of people. You know how it all works. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. But um, where I I think I don't have enough time to do things. And so, and, and I know this is in any business, okay? You get up, and you just put one foot in front of another because you know what you have to do on a daily basis, but you kind of like, you put the goals aside, you put the... And all of a sudden, you're six months or seven months into this year, and you're like, what have I done? You've just done the same thing over and over and over. Obviously, I do a bunch of different things like you do. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just do what you know how to do and keep moving. And and then you realize, I'm not all I'm doing is treading water. Mm-hmm. And although I am a goal-oriented person, is it normal for people to fall into those those section, those parts of life, where you're all of a sudden you've lost the 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 ship, you've lost the rudder. You know, it's on a different it's on a different. Is that normal? And the answer is societally yes. Okay. Because what's going on as opposed to the fifties and sixties, mm-hmm. uh, so many people feel like they're the hamster on the treadmill. Or yes, on the tre- that, or on and the that's wheel. what I'm talking about. That's you know. So there's kind of a treadmill philosophy. I call it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all can get uh, involved with. But really what it is, the hamster is absolutely focused on being on the treadmill. He doesn't have any other focus when he's running on, on, <laughs> yeah, that, yes. on that wheel. Yes. Here's the treadmill we get on, and it's different. It's distractions. Mm. And so anyway, psychologically, it's been shown what's going on with society. The increase in distractions has decreased our productivity. So there's, matter of fact, in corporations and businesses, and I'll be doing this here next month for a company, there's the myth of multitasking. How often do you hear people say, <laughs> how, how often do we hear people say, I'm a really great multitasker? Uh, yeah, nobody's a really great multitasker. The truth is the mind can only do one thing at mm-hmm, a time right. and do it well. So what happens is it's been shown in studies that because of our multitasking, all our distractions, right. we lose up to about two and a half hours of productivity in a typical business day. It depends on your job, obviously, and what you do, but I'm just saying that's an average. So you have sure, pe- sure. people, maybe they lose 10 minutes and other people lose five hours. Yeah. But, but the bottom line is, <clears throat> you know, as Mark Twain once said, they're lies, damn lies, and statistics. Mm-hmm. Today, they're lies, damn lies, and multitasking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And multitasking is a well, lie. And, and, and along those lines, a lot of what I do sets, I mean, I'm set up for, 
for failure when it comes to, mm-hmm. to staying focused about those kinds of things because a lot of what I do is dealing in social media. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's the worst. It is the worst <clears throat> because there are some things you go, oh, <clears throat> what? And you're, you know, you're trying to get to a spot so that you can post something for a client or you can post something. It happened yesterday. I was posting about today's show and I was putting up something. I looked down and 45 minutes had gone and there was still nothing posted. Yes. Crazy. Absolutely nuts. I was like, I don't have 45 minutes. <laughs> so. so what do you do? You blame, you blame yourself for that. Of course. Of course I do. But there's something going on in society and especially we can look at social media, but my mm-hmm. daughter and son-in-law have a large psychiatric practice in Austin. They see around 2,200 patients a month. Oh, wow. One of the biggest things that they're having to deal with is not just the increase in ADHD and ADD, mm-hmm. but just the fact that distractions end up hurting people because they don't feel like they can accomplish things. The goal of social media, social media in and of, in and of itself is not a bad thing. No. And let me repeat that. It's not a bad thing. No. But it's like anything else. It's a tool mm-hmm. and how we choose exactly. to use it. Where they make money is keeping us distracted, which means keeping us on social media to where maybe ultimately we click on that ad or something that's sponsored, right, so right, on and right. so forth. So anyway, uh, there's a book out by Johan Hari, who's considered a world expert. It's called Stolen Focus. And we have so many things that are stealing our focus right now, stealing our productivity. And one of the things uh, you mentioned to me before the show was talking about chaos in today's uh, yeah. world. Yeah. And where yes. a lot of that chaos comes <clears throat> is our focus gets stolen. And I'm certainly not perfect. But, for example, when I had to write my books, mm-hmm. I actually had to turn my phone off, turn it over. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. guess what? That wasn't good enough. I had to go put it in another room. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I've been there. Right. I did. I was, uh, my kids were, one of them, the, the little one was a toddler, mm-hmm. the little one who's 20. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a toddler, and she, I was rocking her, and she was fussy, and she had, you know, I was cold, something. And I would always try to put my phones down walk away, mm-hmm. and, um, and phones weren't back then what they are now. Anyway. But I kept looking at it because I kept expecting somebody to text me. And finally, I thought, oh, I've got to stop. Because it was going to affect her mm-hmm. development if she felt like. Mm-hmm. So I thought. Well, I yeah. thought you did a great job yesterday. I texted you, and you didn't respond. So I applaud you <laughs> until this morning. <laughs> well, it's funny. I didn't have it. But it you just d- depends on where my phone is at the time. And I'll, I'll like, two hours will pass, and I'll think, oh, my gosh, I can't breathe. There's no oxygen. Where's my phone? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, the stolen focus um, yeah. is uh, my daughter and son-in-law had me uh, read this book, and uh, obviously it's caused a tremendous increase in ADD, ADHD. Okay. Uh, if you look at the numbers uh, – it's just incredible what's happened. I can't remember, but let's say 10 out of every 100 kids had it in right. 1970, and now it's 30, you know what I mean? So yeah. there are things societally that are going on that um, are affecting us. And then here, a good example is one of the big things is we, we are obese as a society. Right. I could stand to lose 10 or 15 pounds, right. you know. Right, uh, Dick over here. He's in good shape. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but, but anyway, so here's what happens. You go on a diet, and we've all been through this, 
and it's successful, then you get off the diet, right? Mm -hmm. So what do people say when you fail? You know, you shouldn't have eaten this. You shouldn't have eaten that. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. So actually, psychologically, what this does is it diminishes our energy to try something new, to continue to try to lose the weight. That's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) But the same thing can go on with that. Our focus, you know, we have things going on, and right. and I say, Melanie, you should. And by the way, should is a tough word to use on people. When I use the word should, it's about guilt and obligation. Mm-hmm. You really should pay less attention to your phone. Notice I didn't say how often you should do it. Give you a solution. Right. I gave you right. an answer. And what happens too often in today's world? We confuse answers and make them solutions. All they are is answers. So just so your audience knows today, I'm going to give a lot of answers, but they're not necessarily solutions. <laughs> well, that's that's no good. We want <laughs> solutions. I want solutions. All right. Okay. Well, um, I'll tell you what, Dick, if, if it's okay with you, let's go ahead and take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your book that's... It's not brand new, but it's relatively new. It's it's last eight months. Yes. Anyway, we're going to talk about your book, um, The Relationship Zoo. It's pretty interesting, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you when you come back. This is Toast of the Town with Christy and Mel, and we will see you in a minute. Does volunteering at a nonprofit horse sanctuary sound wonderful? Or are you a veteran or a veteran spouse and think trying a peer group session through a local Horses and Heroes equine program might be worth trying? Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary, located in Grand Central Park by appointment only, is home to a growing number of rescued and donated horses. Visit our website at henryshomehorsesanctuary.org or check out our Facebook at Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary for more information. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Did you know there are more than 790 abused and neglected children currently in foster care in Montgomery County? Will you help make a difference? I'm Allie Stevens with Costa Child Advocates of Montgomery County. We train and support volunteers to be the voice of children in the foster care system. Kids are moved from their home because of abuse and neglect, and we need volunteers just like you to advocate for these children. To learn more about becoming an advocate, please visit costaspeaksforkids.com. That's costaspeaksforkids.com. Welcome back, everybody. We're here today with Toast of the Town with Christy Amell, and our special guest, Steve Scott, is in just, you guys have had a few minutes of him. You know, he is uh, is awesomely, wickedly, superbly observant. And uh, and smart too. The book, which I will never do. You're all safe. <laughs> um, y'all would go, ooh, ow, uh, ooh, and 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 somebody, people have done that to me, and I was like, it's just life. It's just life. But um, anyway, everybody is what the point I'm trying to make is. Anyway, but there was there's a place in this book. This is just a fabulous book, and I thank you for the note. It's just awesome. 
Um, but first of all, I have to tell you, this book is dedicated to TLC, Tender mm. Loving Care. Mm. Um, I, I was flabbergasted by that. And when I went back and read it last night, mm. I, I, I had forgotten about that. And I was like, oh, wow. Anyway, but I will let you guys get the book and read it. It's awesome. Anyway, um, on page 15, you talk about how ships sink. And, um, and then you, you talk about the, the fact that it never, I mean, when you're thinking about a ship sinking, you're, you're trying to keep the outside water out, and that's what, you're, that's what you're focused on. And it's not the water outside. It's what's inside that's making you sink. And I was like, oh, i got to work on myself. <laughs> anyway, um, how did you, where does all this come from? And, the, and first of all, I want to talk about that story too. But where do you get this motivation, the, the, the relationship of all these different um, stories that you come up with? Life? Life and what I've done over the years since uh, the early 90s. Mm-hmm. If I see something that interests me, mm-hmm. I uh, very often uh, will uh, copy it to my computer or what I'll do is, later, or yeah. what I'll do is very often I'll read something. And I go, that's interesting. Let me just put my take on it. So some yeah. of the things in this book go back to ninety two, ninety three, where I oh, wow just uh, oh, wow. and I mean it's my second book. The mm-hmm. first one, Wings to Fly, right. was a daily reader. It came out in two thousand fifteen. But I thought I read relationship books, and they're all most of them are very formulaic. In other words, if you do this, this is going to work. That's not the way it works. No, so and not. I just felt they're pious, they're pompous. I wanted to give people things to think about where they could pick nuggets just like you did mm-hmm. and say, okay, maybe this applies to me because you read the next thing and maybe that's not right. not, not your thing. Right. But where you could open it to any page and possibly find something of value. What's been interesting since it came out in November is I have companies that are now using this in their team meetings. They pick uh, a topic because guess what teams are? They're relationships. Yes, yes. And so they will pick things, and every once in a while I'll get a text, and sometimes I don't know who it's from. <laughs> it's like, really enjoy, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. topic, page 32 or something, you know. Well, um, so talk about the ship sinking. Yeah. So have it. Yeah, and essentially um, it's about having coping mechanisms to be able to take the water. Yeah. We're all going to accumulate water that weighs us down. We're all swimming in the same ocean, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're all boating, I should say, in the same ocean. Right. But the key is to make sure that you're able to bail the water out, the negative stuff, the relationships. That's right. To where you can stay afloat. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. My goodness. I've had, I mean, I've had, and I'm sure many of the listeners have had, you've had times where uh, the ship sinks, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a very... Uh, it's a very challenging time. But <laughs> it the, is. But the thing is, is to be aware of what is uh, the water that's coming in and what you can do about it. Well, um, and, and the other part of it is, is that is the, the ability to be able to handle the ship sinking and still handle your job, your family, right. your, you know, right. and to realize that it's the ship's usually not really sinking you think it is but it's really not anyway um let me turn this down i don't know where that came from (laughs) anyway all right um one of the other um 
that well, first of all, there are, are a bunch of things in here that just really spoke to me. Um, and and you just said something well ago when you talked about the the uh, the paths that go up the mountain. Mm-hmm. When you say, mm-hmm. when I'm working with people, they'll say, "What about this? So and so wants to do such and such for me. Should I let them?" I'll say, "Sure." And they said, "Well, is that a problem?" I'll say, "Well." No. Well, you always say it's okay, or you give me two answers. I said, because there's no right answer, and there's no wrong answer. (laughs) You are not just like the guy that I worked for last year, nor is he just like the guy that I worked for the year before that. And some things work for some people that don't work for other people. And my job is to give you an analysis of what will happen if you do this, and an analysis of what will happen if you do that. (laughs) And, And that, to me... is what people who can do that, people who can take those, take that advice and make a logical decision or a business decision mm-hmm. or a decision about their campaign, mm-hmm. whether it's political or advertising, mm-hmm. those people deserve your attention yeah. because they're doing what's best for them. So I, I really appreciate what you said. I mean, I, I, I just kind of glossed over it a while ago. But it, and you touched on something else that's really interesting. In my coaching practice, mm-hmm. I say you have to look at your business, business owner or executive, every day is a political campaign. <laughs> How many people are going to vote for you and your leadership? You're not going to get everybody. But the thing is, getting back to the water that we let in, mm-hmm. if we're not getting people to vote for us, that's water that gets in and will sink us. So here's the point. 90% of what you do, of what Dick does and 90% of what I do works with people. Mm -hmm. It's the other 10% where we have to recognize that the gifts and talents we have are not going to be a fit. That doesn't mean the other person's a bad person. We just have to alter something. So it's not like we have to throw everything out. Right. We just have to recognize the situation. Sure. And then we have two situations usually in relationships, but also in life. We have problems. So, for example, a problem is... I'm thirsty, so I can go get a glass of water and solve the problem. Then we have a predicament. I'm thirsty, and I don't know where to get the water. Right. A predicament right. is a problem you have to endure. So those are not fun, but we have those in relationships. And, you know, two things that can help. Once again, nothing is foolproof, so I'm not giving a foolproof solution. But you have to look for what is the opportunity here and the difficulty for me? You know, what can I do? And then... Focus only on what you can control, not what you cannot. Right. There's another one in here. Okay. Um, Great power can come from within you when you believe you're a part of a team. Yes. Yes, that's a favorite. But but part of a team in your relationships. Anyway, we just you just kind of mentioned that. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, boy, I am a I'm. I'll take care of it. I'll get it done. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. and then when when I have a team, it's like so much easier. But everybody needs to pull in the same direction. I mean, it, it has its uh, being a team has its own challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, doing it by yourself has challenges, but being a team anyway. But it is so much easier and usually more fun mm-hmm. to do when you've got a team. Anyway, you you're what you do too when you go into these businesses is you, you work with teams, correct? I yes, mean, yes, in certain businesses I do. Some I work with the owner, some I work with the executive. It just depends. But in the larger companies, they do team building, 
in leadership. It could be for a group of managers and right. things like that. Right. Smaller companies, they do other things, but a lot of it's just one-on-one. That's where the real magic takes right. place. Right. Okay, <clears throat> you said there was something in here that somebody had pointed out to you that you would mention. Yeah. So, have you ever hated somebody? I have. I always say I don't, but there's two people that just can't get off my radar. (laughs) And you don't know either one of them. How about that? (laughs) That's good. You don't know mine either. (laughs) And we've all been angry at times. Sure. And we've all felt depressed at times. Sure. What was interesting, um, I... I don't know why I have an inordinate number of psychiatrists in my life. Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't. I'd be so depressed. You know, my, my son-in-law is one of them yeah. over in Austin yeah. with Roots Behavioral Health. And uh, then uh, my next-door neighbor, and then I have another friend. I, I don't know how. I, but anyway, I was having a discussion with one of them over the years, and we are talking about hatred, anger, and depression. And hatred, anger, and depression are more often than not a failure of imagination, a failure to imagine a better scenario, a better outcome. Imagine how the relationship could Mm. be better. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And so that has been one that people have uh, commented on. uh, And I I think it's very very true because you can forgive somebody. I remember that now. But the bottom line is if you don't take care of hatred, anger, and depression, you carry a grudge. And you can never be great with a grudge. Okay. <laughs> we need I'm, to move oh, on. Yeah. No, I <laughs> no, I'm I'm you know you say all these things and and, and there are things in the book and it's like he read my diary. <laughs> I don't have a diary, people, it's okay. Um, um okay. Um so um, I, I have some more questions about this, but I've got some more questions about what I, what we think about the world around us and everything that's going sure, on. Sure. So we're going to take another little break and Vic, if you would, um, we will be back in a few moments and, um, this is Toast of the Town with Christy and Mel. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in environmentally sound ways. Find out more online at pathtoplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. 
Hey, tune in to The Bridge Podcast TX Tuesdays at 11 a.m. where we are connecting commerce with community, interviewing business owners and leaders in the community, allowing the audience to peek behind the curtain of what inspires, motivates, drives these individuals to have meaningful, positive impact in this community. For more information about the show, log in to IRLoneStar.com slash TBPTX. Welcome back, everybody, to Toast of the Town with Christy and Mel. I'm here today visiting with Steve Scott, and oh my gosh, is he just an awesome, awesome barrel of information. Anyway, um, we have talked about his book. We talked about his bi- where his business started, sort of, sort of. I just found out a little more information. Um, anyway, uh, so so this book, first of all, The Relationship Zoo, um, and I, I believe it's available on Amazon, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Okay. I got my own personal copy with a beautiful inscription. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's uh, The Relationship Zoo, Animal Stories, Human Insights, A Guide to Improved Relationships. It's, it's not going to fix your life as far as, you know, the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the, you know, myriad of intimate relationships you have. What it will do is make you understand that life is about relationships and that you, you really it's hard to have a good life if you can't if you don't have good relationships anyway um but it's available on amazon the relationship zoo and it's uh stephen t scott we just know him as steve scott but anyway um so this book is so interesting and what i found great about it is i i got it from you gosh it was back before the primary mm-hmm. so it was I don't know, February or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and um, I think um, what was the coolest was is that I, I, you know, between that time and now, I haven't had time to just sit down and read a book. When, and when I realized that this was like in little pieces and thoughts, and I mean, I, I read it chronologically, but it's just in pieces that I read it. And it might be a week before I pick it up and then I read a really good sized chunk of it. And then anyway, but you can just pick it up and read a little clip a day. It's just awesome. It's not a devotional like where you would read something every day, but you could. Um, So what I think is most interesting is it made me think about, um, it made me think about people that are driving me crazy both in a good way and a bad way, mm-hmm. okay? And, and my thought is I am, I'm a political consultant, PR person mm-hmm. by trade, okay? And I'm fairly old. I've been doing it a fairly long time. But I'm pretty much a nobody. I mean, in the big, in this big scope of life, I'm, a, I'm not anybody special. Um, so with that in mind, why is it that some of these people who have access to resources, I mean, capital R, capital E sources, why, why is it they can't figure out when to shut their mouths or how to say something or, you know, and, and, in, and then if that's the case, if they, if they can't figure that out, why can't they, why, where are their advisors? Where are their advisors? Because I, I just can't get it. So, so like, if you look at, you know, there's some that drive me kind of nuts in a good way um, because I want them to tell me what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And, and DeSantis is one of those. Mm. I think he is brilliant. I mean, really sharp. He's got a, um, he's running Florida about the best way that anybody could, I think. And he's young and he's smart. And um, he just acts like he's not interested in the presidency at all. I think he probably is. Mm. But if you were, if, if you were working with him, and you were offering him suggestions. What would you What would you say to him? Do you have any thoughts about him as a person or his type of person? Well, having worked with political candidates, but also with coaching clients, uh, sometimes definitely with political candidates because mm -hmm. ultimately everything becomes public. Mm -hmm. I had one here in Montgomery County. Uh, I sat down with him and I said, I, I need to know everything about your past. And there was hesitation. <laughs> and I said, so if we're going to collaborate together, I said, your reputation becomes my reputation. So anyway, to make a long story really short, this person had a bankruptcy at one time. Uh. And his opponent, we knew, had gotten wind of that. And I said, so what, what was the story with this bankruptcy? And he goes... Uh, well, you know, I, and he was working another job, but he had invested with a partner in a restaurant over in the New yeah. Caney Splendora area. And on New Year's Eve, his partner absconded with $100,000. This was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And basically the company went bankrupt. So my client was left, I mean, partner absconded, went out of state, mm -hmm. and took the money. So... And he was kind of dejected. Uh, he goes, it, it was just terrible. I didn't know what to do. And I said, well, what, what, did, uh, what did you end up doing? He said, it took me about seven or eight years, but I paid everybody back a dollar on the dollar. I said, you did what? You paid everybody back a dollar on the dollar? He said, yes, because, you know, they had in invested in my business, plus we had creditors. We had... But he said, I did. I said, now, you're not just telling me that. I said, do you have paperwork that can show me that you have done this? And he goes, well, yeah, I can, I can get it together. I said, you, you must get it together. So anyway, now we have a good story about something that was a disaster. Exactly. That's because, what I'm thinking. Oh, yes. Because what I always <laughs> want to do, especially with the political candidates, I want them to show who they are as a person, the human being, not necessarily the human doing. They're all going to tell you what they're going to do, but who are they really? And then come up with some stories that will help out. So now, this is a couple months later, and you can appreciate this. We're at an elementary school down on 1488, mm -hmm. and the auditorium, no, the cafeteria, which was also the auditorium, mm -hmm. there were about 300 people. It was really raucous, and we're having a debate. And my candidate, uh, you know, they had a moderator. They're going back and forth. And then the last 10 minutes, they could ask each other questions or make statements. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, my opponent, my candidate's opponent went first and said, what is the first thing you're going to do, sir, when you um, get elected? He said, I'm going to fire that guy from his position at the county. He's totally irresponsible. He had a bankruptcy, 
And I mean, he's going on and on. So his side is really cheering. My candidate had his story in the papers. <laughs> and he goes, yes, you're right. I had a bankruptcy. But I always believe in taking care of people. I paid everybody back a dollar on the dollar. And here are the papers. You can go through them, the court papers, where I did that. There was silence, and then the other side just erupted. And that, in his opinion, swayed a lot of the election. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's so, awesome. So what, what I want to do is find out what, what, is, what is your story, because right. we all have things that, you know, obviously uh, could be brought up in a political mm -hmm. campaign. You don't see this as much in business. What happens is that kind of happens mm -hmm. behind your back. Right. But in politics, right. the knives come out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But in business, the knives are kind of hidden. Mm -hmm. You just don't know when they're right when they're going right. in. So, yeah. What is your story? So, in, in working with political candidates, what are your three or four talking points that you're going to repeat? Mm -hmm. What are the stories you have to go with them? Because if I don't feel your stories or show your authenticity, if you're not authentic, it's hard to trust you. That's exactly right. I tell and, them and if you're if you if you can't be genuine. Mm -hmm. And convince me mm -hmm. there's no way you'll be genuine and convince them so this ties into four things that can really help all of us in life mm -hmm. myself included uh, you talked about people who go on and on and on and on and I'm trying to be one of those right now on this radio <laughs> show but the thing is first thing you have to have is self-awareness yeah so very often they have an attitude they're the type of people that walk into the room if they just keep on talking there are two people in other words, I come in and see you and Dick, and I go, there you are. Or I can walk in and go, here I am. <laughs> right. The here I am people are the ones that uh, yeah. talk a lot. So self-awareness is really important. There's a cute little story about, true story about self-awareness. It was 1888, and the man most considered the wealthiest man in Europe was sitting in his living room in Stockholm, Sweden. His uh, servant had brought the morning newspaper. And he reads the headline and says, Merchant of Death, dead. Man responsible for killing more people than all the wars in history has died. Good riddance. This is the headline in the Stockholm newspaper. Mm -hmm. Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, was reading his obituary. They had gotten it wrong. It was his brother who had died. But he realized <laughs> that he had a big moment of self-awareness. From that day forward, he said, what can I do for my legacy? And right before he died in 1895, he put together all the funding, which today are the Nobel, really prizes. Nobel Peace prizes. Yeah, so self-awareness is very important. The second thing is you have to be vulnerable. You have to say, you know what? I'm human. I, I messed up. I did this wrong. It's interesting. Shared vulnerability is a great way to bond. And a lot of times in a political campaign or even in business, people don't want to share that. But if you share that, it's been shown psychologically that this can do you good. So self-awareness, vulnerability. The third thing is being authentic. And there's a little story there. This one I don't know is true, but it serves the point. So it was the early 1800s, and Thomas Jefferson had been elected president. There was no Secret Service, but he had a posse that rode around with him on the horse. So anyway, he's in the backwoods of Virginia, and they come to the Rappahannock River, and there's a bridge that they normally would take across, but the bridge had been washed out by the floods. <coughs> so anyway, there was a man there, and he had wanted to cross the where the bridge was at, but he couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. 
So he asked one of the riders, he said, you know, if you all decide to swim across on your horses, could I ride across with you? And the rider, he asked, said, sure. He said, yeah. So they decided to swim across, so the man hops on the horse. Meanwhile, the other riders are looking at him like, you know, you're just a nuisance. You're a pain in the neck, so on and so forth. They get over to the other side. Man gets off, thanks the rider. He says, no, it was great. I'm glad I was able to do that for you. Another one of the riders came up and said, did you know what you just did? You just asked the President of the United States to take you across the river. You could have asked any one of us, but you asked him. How come? He said, he had a yes face. You had a no face. So what face, Ooh, so wow. what face are you presenting? And is it authentic? Interesting. And, and then the last thing is you have self-awareness, vulnerability, authenticity. And if you have those three things, then you're much more likely to gain trust. And trust is the magic uh, fuel that yeah, makes relationships right. go. Because otherwise, you can be in a car with somebody, or you can be in a car, and it's like, the relationship won't go anywhere until you put some fuel into the car. Right. Exactly. Gosh. Well, um, first of all, you've you've given me some insights that I have to share with one per, one one client in particular, um, not currently running. Um, and then, um, but the next thing that I I, I want to ask you about is um, when. Okay. I have a, I have a tendency lately to just avoid the news. Yes. Is that healthy? Yes. Okay, good. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's, it's depressing and it's time-consuming because I cannot, it takes me a while to get started again, get started working again. That gets back to a distraction. Okay. And what it does, um, it can emotionally take us out of whatever we're doing. The news by itself, in and of itself is not bad, but once again, you have to monitor your intake. It's like alcohol or anything else. You know what I mean? You have to, sure. you have to do that. So, uh, okay. So I'm healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all we're concerned no. about today, folks. <laughs> because, you know, one of the things we look at in our lives is the power and influence of our associations. It's sure. an awesome power. So the first thing people think of is who they're associating with, mm -hmm. which by the way, is a good place to start. But sometimes I have them make a list. And uh, very often this comes up uh, in a roundabout way. I know, I don't know if we can make the connection on the radio, but uh, <laughs> I'll have a VP or a business owner and he knows or she knows, it was a she in this case, knows that she needs to fire her general manager that has helped her build the business over 20 years. So how do you go about doing this? And the thing is, you have to go through a process. So the first thing is, I ask, who do you associate with? Uh, what are they doing for you is the next question. Next question, it gets a little uneasy. As a matter of fact, in this case, her chair went back against the wall. What are they doing to you? Mm -hmm. In other words, what TV do they have you watching? What books do they have you reading? How do they have you reacting emotionally? And you can just go through a list of everything. Right, right. But getting to the news, if you hang around people where the negativity of the news is the main focus, it's absolutely going to affect you. So who am I, who am I hanging with? What are they doing for me? That kind of gives you a justification sure. as to how come they're in your life. Sure, sure. Next one is, what are they doing to you? And that's kind of like, ooh. And then my next question to them is, 
What do they have you becoming? And then the last question, is that acceptable? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it might take a while to get through this. It was really easy to say it here sure. in two minutes. Sure, but right. This could be a period of weeks. But you really start evaluating that. And it doesn't mean the other people are bad people necessarily, but we're all in transition as human beings. I'm not the same person you met seven or eight years ago, nor are you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dick is still the same. Yeah, of course he is. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> but you and you rest and I, of us have moved on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, who am I hanging around? What are they doing for you? Sure. What are they doing to you? What do they have you becoming? Is that acceptable? Then you have a choice. This is the hard part. There are three things you can do with any relationship. It could be with TV. It could be with what you read. But we're just mm-hmm. going to use people here. You can either expand it. You can limit it, or you can hit the delete button. Right. The hardest thing to do is hit the delete, delete button. button. Right. But if you can limit, limit things, it. I can promise you, especially those things. Well, that's that's basically what I've got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's let's end on with a really um, big big picture here. Um, we, but what do we do as individuals? Okay. <laughs> This is it's a time of chaos. It's a time of mm-hmm. of um, of not knowing what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with the economy. We don't know what's going to happen. We still don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. with COVID or monkeypox or any of the other things. Mm-hmm. We've got people that are leading our country that we're worried about. Mm-hmm. I mean, genuinely, mm-hmm. I have genuine concern. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of political agreement or disagreement, I have genuine concern about leaders. Um, both locally and nationally, but I have to go on, yes. and I have to, and and there are people who are younger than I am who need to be convinced that it's okay to take that great idea and take a chance on it and start a business mm-hmm. or a hobby that turns into, take a hobby into a business mm-hmm. or run for office, you know, that that if you handle a a, um, a campaign appropriately that the pain isn't as bad as it it appears sometimes mm-hmm. you know um, sometimes you can take <laughs> you and I both know several that take perfectly sound and sane people mm-hmm. um, a, and then they they say and do silly things that open them up mm-hmm. to ridicule okay mm-hmm. so if you if you do things in the right way, what is it what is it that you can say that to encourage people that despite everything that's going on against us right now, despite the price mm-hmm. of Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. yeah. what should make me want to do something different, unique, maybe a little risky, but also have confidence that I can pull it off? I mean, there's so many components to that. Uh, <laughs> the price of Brussels sprouts, mainly. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know how to deal with that. But, uh, you know, it, the thing is, you want to always position yourself as best as possible. And the winds of life blow in and can change things. I understand that. It certainly happened to me. I've had great successes. I've had some great failures. Mm-hmm. But uh, you want to uh, be able to uh, grow into your potential. There's nothing more frustrating than to 
not be able to do that. And your potential is different than somebody else's. And the problem in today's world more so is we can compare ourselves to other people because through social media we see sure, always the good sure, things, so yeah. on and so forth. So the answer is absolutely yes. I would say, and this is really a broad, broad brush, so I just want the listeners to know it's not totally accurate. But if you're in a service business, I think that's a great place to start. Um, if you're doing something like housing right now, not a good place to be. Um, there are certain niches that could work, sure. but I'm just saying over overall. Mm-hmm. So there, I always look for what the possibilities are, what the opportunity is, and the difficulty. Sometimes there isn't one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we have to understand, once again, just talking about distractions earlier and how there's so much going on societally that is causing that to happen. The same thing is happening, you know, with, with business. There are things there that, uh, you know, what's interesting, the mortality rate in small business today is the same as it was in 1970. Really? Yeah, I just read something on it, you know, and I actually had given a talk on this in 2005. So the normal thing is people say 90% of all small businesses fail after a year. Well, that doesn't take into account maybe they change the name. That gets counted as a failure. Maybe you and I decide Mm -hmm. to form a partnership. Yeah. So now we change the structure of the company. Sure. But in the end, after about seven years, 72% of all businesses fail. So in 2005 and even today, they take a look and say, what? How come it hasn't changed? We have more technology. When I was growing up, if I wanted to start a business, I had to go work for somebody that did that business. I had to learn that business hands-on. I couldn't go get it Google. out of an encyclopedia. <laughs> I couldn't Google it. Yeah, yeah right. But, but right. right now, if you want to, let's say, take a pest control business, which I had at one time, and market a pest control business, you and I can read on the internet for the rest of our lives on how, oh, sure. on how sure. to do that. So we have more information now than we've ever had. So that that's a good variable. Mm-hmm. What hasn't changed? It's our ability to develop ourselves. And you have to grow into your potential. So as H.G. Wells once said, wealth, power, notoriety, or place are no true measures of success whatsoever. The only true measure of success is the ratio between who you are and who you can become. Okay, there you have it, people. <laughs> but um, I, I, first of all, I want everybody to know, too, um, the information I found out a while ago that was just so interesting to me, and, and I, I missed putting it in place. Um, so Steve started out in, say it for me, because I won't get it exactly right, because it was very quick. Um, when you started out in, you, you did business in Peru. That's right. Uh, importing balsa wood to the United States and had to deal with a military dictatorship. Had to bribe my way to the top. Had to deal with the military police and pay them off. You realize there was no rule of law. Uh, when you have a version of a submachine gun in your back, it uh, yeah it makes you understand what freedom is. Yeah, I bet. And freedom means that you have a just justice system. Mm-hmm. It's not done on the whims of what people think is right at the time or trying to control but uh yeah 1975 yes wow uh, yeah wow and also dealt with uh, former nazis in guayaquil ecuador and got got roughed up uh on so the docks of guayaquil so this is 
this is worldly information too, mm -hmm. in addition to everything else. Okay, Steve, thank you so much. I have oh. so enjoyed this. Um, and uh, we will be back next week with Toast of the Town with Christy and Mel. Next Wednesday at noon, y'all uh, sign on and also check in and check with uh, Facebook and um, YouTube and uh, IRLoneStar.com for copies of this, um, this interview with Steve. And I know you'll all go back and listen to it because it was really interesting. It was great. Thank you, Steve. Thank you.